Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Well, good morning. Man, you guys look amazing. You sound amazing. It's so good to see you. Hey, do me a favor. Turn to three people and give them a high five. Don't cheat me. Three high fives. Quickly, count them out. Don't cheat me of a high five. There, You just feel happier now. I don't know why. You got really excited about a high five. <laughs> Note to self, if you're ever having a bad day, just high five like three people and you're going to be good to go. I'm excited that you're here. My name's Carrie. Uh, my wife and I are some of the pastors here at the Movement Church, and uh, my wife was the beautiful woman who was just up here a minute ago, and we're glad you're with us today. We really are, and I think God's got some great things in store for each of us. That's not wishful thinking for me. That's faith-filled. Like, I believe God wants to do something awesome in our lives, and here's the cool part. We get to lean in and just kind of open our hearts and our lives to hear and receive what God wants to do. And it doesn't mean you have to have all the knowledge of the Bible. In fact, I don't know what your faith background is. Uh, some of you may have been a, a Christ follower or a Christian for many months or years or maybe even decades. Some of you might be here going, I'm not sure what I believe. And, and let me just tell you, permission to belong before you believe. But here's one of the best things that we can do. One of the greatest things we can do is just have an open heart and mind to the potential of what God can and wants to do. I mean, you're already here. We're, we're going to hang out for the next 33 minutes, and and then here's a great uh, kind of a spoiler alert. We've got some Krispy Kreme donuts just outside waiting for you. We hid them until service started because we're going to save them, so just get ready. I mean, it's only going to get better, but let's just have our hearts open to what God can do. Is that cool today? Hey, before I dive in, I want to tell you about one thing that I'm, I've just been kind of relentlessly asking people to dive into this, and that is on March 4th. Everyone say March 4th. We have our legacy gala or gala, depending on who you are, but regardless what you call it, we want you to come and hang out with us. We've, we've rented a loft space at the Kaleidoscope, and I believe it starts at 7 p.m., and we've got some light refreshments for you, but here's what we're going to do. We're going to unpack and roll out uh, the vision and the heart for the Movement Church for 2018 and beyond, but here's the, the, the other spoiler alert. I want to challenge you to be all in, and so maybe you're here, and this is already your church. That's a perfect night for you to attend, and Maybe you're here and you're just kind of kicking the tires and checking out under the hood. That's a perfect night for you to attend. And it'll be a family gathering with some refreshments and some entertainment. It's going to be awesome. You don't want to miss it. About an hour and a half, and it's kind of like a casual cocktail of tires. So, you know, get, get, bust out like your, your, your sport coat or whatever it is that you've got. And, and you, can, you can check out all the information you need, in fact, by texting the word LEGACY to the number on our screen. But listen, just do me a favor. I know the Oscars are on, but this will be way more fun than the Oscars, I promise you. And just, just here's what I ask. An hour and a half of your time. Make every attempt to get there. Cancel all your plans. It's going to be worth it. Does that sound good? Everybody say, absolutely. <laughs> awesome. We're in a series called All In. Everybody say, all in. And uh, I don't know if any of you in here have ever played poker before. I'm not an advocate for or against poker, but there's a term in poker when you feel like the cards in your hand are a bet worth risking it all on. You grab your chips and you slide them very confidently to the center of the table and you say, I'm all in. In other words, everything that I've got is worth risking on this hand right here, right now. And this series is about living a life worth going all in 
for. And here's the truth. You and I, we're, we're all in on something. We're all in on maybe just our career or who knows what it might be. And I want to challenge you that I believe that God's created a life that's worth going all in for. And that's what this series specifically is about. In fact, Jesus said this to those that were closest to him in Matthew chapter 22. In fact, he was asked, okay, what's the most important commandment? Which is kind of a big question. At that point, there was like 300 or 652 some odd laws. And they're like, which one of these is the most important? And Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 20, 22. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. In other words, go all in. That's what this commandment is saying. Not a portion of your heart, not a portion of your life, not a portion of your mind, but everything you have. And I want to challenge you today that if you say I'm all in for Jesus, then you can't say that and not be all in with his church. That's the truth. The Bible says and illustrates that Jesus referred to the church as his bride, which is kind of an interesting term, but to me it makes sense. So I'm married, I've been married for nearly 20, uh, 17, 18 years, somewhere around there, I forget all the numbers, it's just been like a week, it's been so amazing to me, Megan, so amazing, how many years has it been? Almost 32, and so anyway, I'm kidding, you, if you were to say, hey Pastor Kerry, I love you, you're awesome, I like hanging out with you, but your wife, not so much, I would punch you in the throat and we would never be friends again, why? Because to love me is to love my wife. And to love my wife is to love me. Why? Because we're one. And so when Jesus said, hey, the church is my bride, he's saying, if you're all in for me, you are all in for my church. Last week, Megan talked about this and said, hey, if, if Jesus loves the church, then it's important that I'm planted in the church. In other words, that I'm here. I'm consistently here. She used the illustration of the redwood forest. And, and she talked about how these trees go grow hundreds of feet tall and are extremely enormous. And they literally live for centuries, yet their root system only goes down 6 to 12 feet. So how is it that these trees are able to sustain centuries of living? It's because their root system goes down but then out and connects with the other trees in the forest. In other words, being planted is essential to our growth. Why? Because we need each other. That's how we grow strong in our faith. And the week before that, I preached and talked about how if I'm all in, then one of the greatest things I can do by being all in is sharing my story of hope. And listen to me, all of us in this room have a story of hope. In other words, you, you, you've had a moment where before Christ came in, your life was crazy, but now Jesus is doing something in your life, and as a result, man, I'm finding redemption, restoration, hope, faith, and future, and my friends, we live in a world that desperately needs to hear that story and that message of hope. So not only do I need to be here, but when I come here, i got to bring people with me. You know, my biggest fear is that so many of us will wait until we find out that our friend is a Christian before we invite them to church. It's true. Oh, you're, I go to church too. But the people who need church and Jesus are the most are the ones that are the furthest from him. And look at me in the eyes for a moment. That is why we exist. For the people who are hurting and broken and rejected and frustrated and angry with God. That's why we exist. And I'm telling you, man, this is a life going all in for. So I want to pray 
and we'll jump into this and talk about another component that going all in means. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you for being at this place today, and I just pray, God, you'd speak through me, and I pray most of all that our hearts would be open, our ears receptive to hear and receive whatever it is you want to say and do, and God, I just thank you that you're doing something awesome right here, right now. So God, you do what only you can do. You be God, and you do the miracles. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. How many of you, like, absolutely love water, whether it's a pool or a lake or the ocean or anything like that? Okay, you're my people, right? There's something about being on the water that is just brings life. Like, I don't know if you've ever been sailing. If you haven't, you should make it happen. It's amazing. Paddleboard, it doesn't matter what it is. I like to be in the ocean. I like to swim. I like lakes. And there are two groups of people in this room. How many of you actually just kind of enjoy the water again? Would you raise your hand? Awesome. There are two groups of people in here. No, it doesn't matter what you think or what you want. You, you fit into one of two categories. Category one is the person who goes up to a pool, and before they get in, they do this. Boop. Boop. You know what I'm talking about? And then one foot in and kind of begin to adjust to it, and then another foot in. How many of you are the dip-your-toe-in kind of people? Raise your hand. I'm praying for you. You guys need faith. I'm believing for you. How many of you, if you're like me, you see the water, and you just start running like the ah, ah, and you just jump? Come on, let me see your hands. That's my people right there. So listen, here's what I want to challenge you. Regardless of how you get in, maybe you're the toe-dipper, or maybe you're the jump-all-in. I want to challenge you, no matter what, for every one of us in this room, it doesn't matter what you're process is or how fast or how slow you jump all in I want to just challenge you to jump all in and let me give you one component that we're going to talk about specifically today going all in you and I need to know this when it comes to our faith and when it comes to the church going all in means that I embrace the heart of a servant that's worth writing down in fact if you want to take notes you can text the word notes to the number that we use every week but going all in means that I embrace the heart of a servant. And this is counter to the culture that we live in. And in fact, the, the culture that we live in is a dog-eat-dog dog kind of world. But the scripture would say something different. In fact, you might ask, why is it that it involves serving? Well, it's because Jesus said so. I know it's kind of like a Jesus juke on you, but it's true. In fact, there was a moment where Jesus' disciples, those that were closest to him, we're arguing about something specifically unto who Jesus was. And they said, hey, which one of us is going to be the greatest in the future? This is a paraphrase. And Jesus follows that with a passage in Mark chapter 10. Look at what this says. Jesus said, whoever wants to be great among you must first become a servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. That's a pretty intense word. What he's saying is completely given to the heart of a servant. He said, hey, listen, this is why I came. That is what the Son of Man, that's Jesus, has done. He came to serve and not be served. And look at this, he kicks it up a notch. So not only did he come to serve, it says, and then after serving, after my existence being to serve, I came to give away my life in exchange for many who are held hostage. You ever been held hostage to the habits and the hurts and the hang-ups of your life? 
You ever been held hostage to the pain of the past? You ever been held hostage to bitterness and, and, and unforgiveness? That's what Jesus said. I came to serve you and then give up everything so that you are no longer bound as a hostage to the pain of your past. So what I want to do over the next 23 minutes is talk about five things, five things that serving does in our life. And I want to challenge you, write these down. I think it'll be worth it. Five things that serving does in my life. Number one, serving shifts my perspective. You got to say that word really carefully and articulately. Serving shifts my perspective. Why? Because I stop living for myself. I stop living. For, you can't serve and try to live for yourself. Serving is the embodiment of doing something for someone else. And I want to tell you right now that church, look at me for a moment, church gets fun when you stop attending for yourself. When you show up to make a difference in someone else's life, church becomes extremely exciting. When Jesus told his disciples, hey, if you want to be great, you need to learn to serve. He did so because they got in an argument about who Jesus was and why he was here. It's so interesting that those closest to Jesus, those that knew the mission and heard him speak, still struggled with the concept and the idea of why he was here. In fact, they were convinced that Jesus was going to establish a throne on earth. In other words, they believed that at a certain point, Jesus was going to rally the troops and raise up a physical battle against the tyranny of the Roman Empire. And then they would put Jesus in at the palace of Jerusalem, and he would sit on the throne and rule over the earth. And they missed the component and the purpose of why he was there. And two of his disciples came up and said, hey, Jesus, when you establish your throne here in Jerusalem, can you put me and my brother on your right and your left hand? In other words, can you make us number one and number two, or number two and number three? And Jesus said, hey, you're focused on the wrong thing. You're focused on you. And that's not why I'm here. It's time to shift your perspective to, well, everyone else. And Jesus said, hey, this is why I'm here. And in fact, just following this very passage of scripture, Jesus illustrated that with his actual actions. The Bible says that he washed the feet of his disciples. He took off his outer garment and he knelt at their feet. And this was the most the lowest thing that any servant in any home would do. He knelt at the feet of his disciples and he washed their feet, not just 11 of them, all 12 of them, even the one who betrayed him. Do you realize that every miracle that Jesus performed, he did so while being interrupted. He was preaching a message and the roof opened up and a man was lowered on a stretcher. Who had been paralyzed since birth and Jesus healed him. He was walking from one place to another and a blind man yelled out, Master, son of David, have mercy. Jesus turned around and he healed the blind man. He was teaching in a church and a, a man with a crippled hand came up to him and he healed the man. In everything that Jesus did, he was being interrupted and he was illustrating not just with his words but with his actions. Man, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. And to be all in means that I embody the heart of a servant. And it helps shift my perspective off of me. In fact, Jesus came in and he said, let me just tell you something extremely important. It's found in Mark chapter 8. He says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would follow me, 
Look at what he says. Let him comfortably slip into his seat at church on Sunday. Let him make sure that the music isn't too loud for him and that they sing the songs that he really likes. I hope that Pastor Kerry doesn't make any awkward jokes, but it's really funny because I brought my friends today. Wow, that was an awkward joke, apparently. And you've obviously thought it because you were hesitant to laugh. What does he say? If you want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. Now, this, this word cross, I don't think we realize the fullness of what a cross represents. See, we, we think about it around a chain on a necklace or maybe a, a, a picture that was hung up or maybe use it to decorate and do a montage on your wall of different crosses that you got from different cities or states or nations. And, and we kind of glamorize the cross, but the cross in this day and age when Jesus was speaking this did not represent something glamorous. In fact, what's so interesting about Jesus is that he came in the very season when corporal punishment was at its worth. If he came today, he would get death by lethal injection. But he chose a time with one of the worst corporal punishment you can possibly imagine. And not only that, but before he was crucified, the Bible says he was whipped within one whipping short of being killed. The Bible says he was punched and beaten and they would cover his face and say prophesy and spit on him. The Bible says that when he was punched, literally it ripped the beard from his face. The reason crucifixion was so bad is because they would hang on the cross for hours upon hours upon hours. And they didn't die from blood loss. They died from asphyxiation. Because in order to breathe, they would have to push up, which caused excruciating pain, just to <gasps> inhale. And after three or four hours, they no longer had the strength to do this. And their lungs would slowly fill with their own blood. So when Jesus turned to his disciples who were fighting over who was going to be the most powerful in his kingdom. He said, you're missing the point. Follow me, it actually costs something. Somewhere along the lines, we have let this slide when it comes to Christianity because Christianity has become about comfort for me. Let me get into a seat, feel good about myself for an hour and 15 minutes and get back into my day and I might come back in a couple of weeks if it works. Are you tracking with me today? Jesus said, whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will find it. Serving shifts my perspective off of me. Number two, serving engages my strengths. Say, engages my strengths. I don't know if you realize this, but you're awesome. No, literally, you are absolutely awesome. Somebody just nudged his wife said, I told you, babe, I've been telling you that for years. You are awesome. In fact, you were born a winner. In fact, you're one of the most amazing individuals to walk the face of the planet. I know the Olympics are going on right now, and when Olympians compete, they only compete against a couple dozen individuals or so, but you were born a winner. In fact, before you were even born, you were a winner. You know how I know that? You beat hundreds of millions swimming through a fallopian tube until finally you emerged the winner. Oh, my gosh. Raise your hand and say, I'm a winner right now. And if you're that, someone's like, what's a fallopian tube? I don't remember this. And if you were born that awesome and that great, 
with that much greatness, doesn't it stand to reason that you were born to accomplish something great? I would say yes, and I would say that the scripture would agree with me. In Ephesians, the writer, he beckons from us this greatness to come out. In chapter 1, verse 11, in the message paraphrase, it says this, In Christ, we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up. I love this. He had his eye on us. Had designs on us. For glorious living, which means to accomplish something great. Part of the overall purpose that he is working out in everything and in everyone. You were born great to accomplish greatness. Look at me. You have an amazing, unique skill set that no one's seated around you or near you to your right or your left. Not that person who seems to always get promoted at work. Not the people that you grew up with high school. But you have something amazing and a unique gifting, a skill set, a thought process that literally was painstakingly designed. That God crafted in the very essence of breathing life into your lungs. And I believe at the core of who I am that that design reveals your destiny. Not my destiny. Your design reveals your destiny. So why not serve? Why not put that to use? That thing that's in us where we're crafted and created. Why not bring that to bear in the church? The one place where something happens that doesn't happen anywhere else. It's here that marriages are restored. It's here that children discover destiny. It's here that life is changed. The blind see and the dead live again. You say, I've never seen the dead walk before. Have you ever been dead to a dream before? It's in the church where that is realized again. And if you have a unique gift mix, a unique design, then why not say, I'm going to do something with this to impact people at the church? When I serve, it literally engages my strengths, and there's a place for everyone to serve. On your seat, we included this, and in a little while, I'm going to tell you more about it, but these are all the different areas that we can plug in. Why? Because each of us is crafted uniquely. You can text the word team because we use text for everything, and it'll give you the same thing in a digital format. Why? Because it engages my strengths. Guys, every Sunday, 56 adults say yes to creating a place that you can call home that looks like the Movement Church in Charger Hall at El Toro High School. That speaker is ours. It wasn't here this morning until about 6.15. And Mary Poppins didn't snap twice and the cords accidentally plugged in. There is a team of people who set that up. There's a team of people that are not extroverts. They're introverts of extra proportion. And they're seated behind this dark cave cloud here. And they hate that I'm pointing them out and they're ducking behind their monitors. I walk in that room and they say, why are you in here? You're talking too much. And I leave and somebody says, is he gone yet? And they say, yes. And they emerge out of their hole and we have six more weeks of winter. This screen didn't show up by accident. Somebody came and unfolded it, and there's a projector that you can't even see back here. And it's there so that you can read the words and see the scripture because you probably don't even own a Bible, so we put it on the screen for you. 
There's a group of men who put on a yellow vest that nobody likes to wear, and they stand outside in the parking lot where today it's Orange County hot. Oh, 67 degrees. What are we going to do? And they wave you to your spot so that you know you're at the right place. There's a team of men and women that are background checked across the courtyard that are not just watching your kids but speaking life into your kids. There's a team of people who created this graphic. It didn't, we didn't buy this. It was created. There's a team of people when you fill out your card, they send you the Starbucks gift card. It doesn't just happen to show up in your mailbox. Are y'all tracking with me today? Why do they do that? Because I'm cracking a whip, don't get to work. No, because yes, I am. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> we let Gurley do that. And the inside, <laughs> somebody's got the spirit on that one. Why do they do that? On the inside, they realize, man, Jesus did something in me. And if I can create a space for an hour and 15 minutes for someone to experience hope in a hopeless world, that's a life worth going all in for. When I serve, it engages my strengths. So what are you waiting for? What excuses are you hiding behind? Like you're the only person with a busy schedule. <laughs> Moving on. Serving engages my strengths. Number three, serving repositions my heart. And we all need this. We all need this. Why? Because here's a truth that you can't escape no matter what your belief is. Rebellion is in the heart of every man and woman. You don't have to teach a kid how to steal a toy from someone. You have to teach a kid how to share. Because we are pre-wired internally to do what's right for me, what I need. And so that rebellion, in other words, our natural shift, our natural drift, our natural slip is away from the heart of the Father. And the heart of the Father is for people, we'll talk about that in a moment, but my heart naturally shifts in the direction of what I want. So when I serve, it refocuses my heart on what God loves. And listen, the word says this in Proverbs 19, it says, many are the plans in a man or a person's heart. But it's the Lord's plans who prevail. There's another proverb that says that in his heart, a way seems right to a man. But in the end, it leads to death. And I think there's just something about serving that realigns my heart in the right direction. It shifts my perspective off of me. It engages my strength. It repositions my heart. And point number four. Serving values what he values. Serving values what God values. Let me tell you what he values. He values people. He didn't come here to preach a great sermon. He didn't come here to heal the sick. He came here to seek and to save the lost. His heart is for the house, the church. Why? He called it his bride. I didn't ask him to say that. He did. Let me tell you another thing that his heart is for. His heart is for the one. 
the individual who feels abandoned, the individual who feels mistreated, who feels abused, who feels neglected, who is angry at God, who, who's angry at humanity, who feels bitter or discouraged or disappointed, that's who God is for. In fact, the Bible illustrates this in Luke chapter 15. It tells the story and illustrates Jesus to a good shepherd who had a hundred sheep in a pen. And he came to count the sheep to make sure all were secure and all were okay. And he got to 96, 97, 98, 99. And one was missing. For most of us, we think, well, that's good odds, isn't it? We got 99. We used to have 100. It was probably a six sheep anyways. And the Bible illustrates Jesus leaving the 99 to go after the one. And we get the picture of a shepherd crossing over treacherous mountains and the valleys of the shadow of death, looking into the deepest, darkest crevices of the earth. And that's what Jesus did. He reached down into the muck and the mire for us. He doesn't just reach out to the people who've got everything together. And he finds this lost sheep and he brings it back to the pen. And, and as was customary to a shepherd, which the disciples would know, you and I need an illustration. A shepherd would then lay near, sleep and eat and drink everything right near this sheep until it was well again. And this is the illustration of Jesus to you and to me. He would leave the 99 and go after the one. That is his heart for people. And when I serve... It shows that I value what he values, the one. We're almost finished today. I just want to close out with my last point. Number five, that serving is eternally minded. My pastor in Phoenix used to say this all the time. We're headed at life speed towards eternity. In a world that we live in, there's 7 billion people, but only 2 billion who know the hope of who Jesus is. In the county that we live in, 3.2 million, but only 8.6% attend church, which means 2.7 million that just need to know the hope of who Jesus is. And they live next to you. They live in your neighborhoods. They work with you, and they're just looking for a place to find hope. But the words of this song that we just sang, the message of hope cannot be communicated if there's not a place for them to hear about it. And that's called the church. So I want to challenge you. Go all in. And if you're here today and you're not on the dream team, you're not a part of this team of men and women who make a service happen, this is your day. They don't serve every week. They're on a rotation. There's so many options and so many opportunities, but don't hide behind excuses anymore. Why? Because there's people in your world that just need to hear the message of this song performed in so many different variations through sermons and interactions, through people just saying, here's what hope looks like. But it can't happen if you're not all in. So today at the end of this service, in just a few moments, we're going to dismiss, and there's some Krispy Kreme donuts outside. There's some men and women standing by posts that represent the different areas of ministry that you can engage in. And here's what I'm going to ask. Just a few more minutes of your time today, maybe 10 minutes. And if you're not on a team, look around until you find the right place for you. And sign up and let's change this world together.
I look around this room today and I see many different faces. I see Michael Caldron, who's one of our elders here at this church, who was raised in a different faith and his wife went to church faithfully praying for him. But he said, I don't want to have anything to do with this until one day God got a hold of his life. And now he's one of the great leaders in our church, but that wouldn't have happened if people hadn't made a space for him. Thank God we've been praying. No, I'm kidding. He's a good man. I look at my friend Reuben, who's got a crazy past. He's one of my closest friends. And he wouldn't be where he is today if people hadn't created a space in a church. And a lot of times we overlook that because we're so focused on our own life and our own world. And we miss opportunities to make an impact. And serving does that. And here's the exciting part about my points today. I'm really proud of this moment. Can you put that slide up for me? <laughs> it spells serve. Come on, give me a hand clap for that one. Serving shifts my perspectives, engages my strengths, repositions my heart, values what he values, and it's eternally driven. And I want to actually pause. I get emotional because for me, and I had all the tools that I needed to make the right choices in life. I got great parents. They loved the Lord. I was raised in church. My dad was a pastor. And I was a kid in a youth ministry that people would look to for leadership. And yet, I just allowed that slip to take place. And I drifted in the direction of darkness. And if you followed that long enough, you'll find it. And I ended in this season of just feeling overwhelmed with darkness. So I get it emotional and this is why we exist as a church because I I want to push pause on the whole sermon for a moment and talk to some of us in this room who actually need to begin the journey with Jesus this is why we exist it's not so we can feel better about ourselves when we leave because there needs to be a moment where I stop trying to do it on my own and I just say yes to who Jesus is not church membership not eradicating your past, but just simply saying yes to him. And some of us in this room have never made that decision. And in a moment, I'm going to give you a chance to do just that. With no embarrassment, you have to get out of your seat, but right where you're at, in the quietness of your own heart. I'm going to pray a prayer, and I want to challenge you. If that's you, you've never made that decision. Right where you're seated, just pray this prayer with me. And look me in the eyes for one moment. Some of us in this room, we may have prayed a prayer like that, but we've been running from God. And today's the day to come running back. I want to challenge you, pray that prayer with me. This is the heart of God towards you. It's why we exist. And I believe it might be the reason you're here today. Would you do me a favor? Heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around. If that's you and you've never prayed this prayer, or today's the day to pray it again for the first time in a long time, just right there in the quietness of your own heart or in a small whisper, just... Repeat this prayer after me with the, the faith that you can muster. Just say, dear God, I know that you're real, that you love me and you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect, God. Would you forgive me? Now just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email 
at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.
If that's you and you need to make that decision today, would you just pray this prayer with me? I'm going to ask everyone in the room to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And if today needs to be your day of decision, would you just pray this with me quietly in your own heart and in your own seat? Dear Jesus, I know that I've sinned. I know that I've tried to do it all on my own. And I ask for you to forgive me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin. And today I make a decision to surrender my life to you. And all around the room, if that's you, just let these words be the cry of your heart. Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Please email us at info at theocmovement.com. And if you were not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Please send us an email at info at theocmovement.com. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.